WATT presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. I guess this is our first new program of the year. I think yes, I, I guess that's so, about yeah. right. Yeah, we did New yeah, Year's Eve last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah. welcome to 2024. Uh, we're we're here answering your car questions and talking about car stuff. But before we do that. We have from Ford Motor Company, Jennifer Brace. And Jennifer is the Ford, is Ford's cheap futurist. And Jennifer, what's a futurist? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, So what I do is I spend a lot of time uh, paying attention to what's happening in the world, looking at trends, looking at things often well outside of automotive to help internal teams consider the environment we'll have to operate within moving forward. So often what I say is, you know, we're helping teams think about a future that feels um, unpredictable by helping them prepare for multiple versions of what might happen. Um, but at the end of the day, my, my whole job is to pay attention to the things that I think other people might not be paying a lot of attention to and then get teams to think about how they might react to that or better, be better prepared uh, moving forward in the future. Can you give us an example of something that you maybe looked at that mm-hmm. became um, something real relative at Ford Motor Company that, you know, that I guess really secured your job in one way? <laughs> sure. So, um, you know, the the interesting thing at Ford, there, we've had a, a department within Futurine for almost 20 years now. And it, what we've done is we have have forced Ford to look at multiple scenarios of what the future might hold. And if we go back many years, as early as 2004, we were looking at different scenarios. And one of those included um, financial uh, decline, a big, what happens if there's a big bust, um, which of course did happen with the financial crisis in 2008. Um, I will say that was one of four scenarios that we looked at when we asked teams to consider different futures. But um, that was, I would say that was a big win, the fact that we had had teams thinking about that well in advance of it happening so that we had a plan. So even if teams say, you know, I don't really know if that's what's going to happen, we say, that's okay, but let's have a plan in place just in case. <laughs> you know, let's, let's force them to think through different futures so that they, have, uh, they are prepared. Instead of trying to predict, we ask them to be prepared for multiple versions. Can I call you next time I make a stupid move with my 401k, maybe before I do that? Yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> I love that. I've had people ask me, so so how do you invest? It feels like you guys would be great investors. And I say, doesn't it, though? Doesn't it think that, doesn't it feel like we would be? Um, and I, I, I can't proclaim to being that great at it, uh, at the stock market. <laughs> well, you know, part, part of the thing is that, and I think COVID really, affected this a lot is you know people people have been working at home a lot more you know some offices our office for instance is kind of a hybrid now sort of going Mm -hmm. into the office a couple days a week you know at your position at Ford how have you looked at like lifestyle changes and what people are willing to maybe accept or or push back on when it comes to you know how they conduct their day I guess yeah, so COVID, of course, has had a, a lasting impact on a lot 
of different elements of our lives. And um, in, in our, so we do an annual trend survey. This is the 12th year uh, that uh, we have been doing it, and we just put the data out. Um, you can find it at FordTrends.com. But one of the interesting things that we've seen, um, in prior years we've seen a lot of, you know, people being concerned about feeling overwhelmed about the changes taking place, very much related to COVID. Um, however, not solely because of COVID, because we've been feeling that way for quite a while. But we mm. do continue to see things like um, feelings of overwhelm, feelings of anxiety, mental stress, kind of continuing to increase, especially in younger generations. And what we saw this year in the survey was people are saying, you know what, there's a lot of, uh, there's lack of stability around me, and I, I recognize that. It's almost like an acceptance of it. And by saying um, that I see that this is happening, so what I'm going to do in response to that is I'm going to focus on prioritizing myself. And that's what we saw loud and clear this year, is that people wanted to put themselves first. They wanted to prioritize relationships with others. They wanted to even um, prioritize taking care of themselves over a promotion at work, for example. So often bringing into question kind of our traditional markers of success and things that um, that in the past we would have said, of course, you're going to be going for that. Um, people have said, you know, uh, a more stressful job just isn't worth it. Mm. So those are, to me, that was a surprise. One of the one of the big surprises in the numbers was we asked people if they would be willing to take a 20% pay cut in order to increase their quality of life. And 20%, of course, is not a small number when, it, when no. we talk about a pay cut. 52% of employed people across the world said that they would do it. 52%. Mm. It's huge. That is huge. I, I don't know that I would do that. But uh. <laughs> Yeah, well, and that's, I'll be honest with you, when we asked the question, there was a lot of internal debate on the team, like what, how we would want to ask the question and how big should the pay cut be? Mm. <laughs> and I'll be honest, we, we were not anticipating that number of people to say that, yes, they would be willing to do that to increase their quality of life. Um, but I think it does go back to, as you were saying, yeah, people have... Some of their perspective has shifted throughout COVID and what are their what their expectations are, how they want to set up their life and what they're willing to do. Um, is is we're seeing changes. We're seeing more demands, particularly from younger generations. And, saying that it's not worth it. And I remember back it was probably a, a dozen years ago now at it was either the New York or Detroit Auto Show that Bill Ford was there and he said, you know, <laughs> Ford Motor Company's not necessarily a car manufacturer anymore we're a technology company and is mm -hmm. that part of what all of this you know looking towards the future and mm -hmm. asking these questions is that all part of what is shaping oh. kind of the new ford I, so certainly you can't get away from it right technology is part of everything that we do um and including when we when we looked at our survey this year, we knew we had to ask a lot of questions about AI. Mm. Um, generative AI has, you know, uh, become a common household term, quite frankly. So um, we did ask quite a few questions about AI and how people felt about it, what it meant in their lives, what would they trust it to do for them. And it, we saw a lot of tension there, quite frankly, this idea that people expect it to continue to grow in importance in their life, but they're also afraid of it. The 50% of people said that they're not... Um, they don't really understand what it is, or they're afraid of it. So we understand, so people are basically saying, hey, I know this is a thing. I expect it to continue to grow in my life. I might even start, I might even already be trusting it to make decisions like planning my vacation or making small purchases, even giving me mental health or physical health advice. 
But um, we also see them saying, I'm, uh, I'm not so sure I'm, <laughs> I'm trusting of it. Um, we also saw some tension in how people viewed it mm. in terms of the impact on jobs. So this is one that I thought was really interesting when we asked people, do you think AI is going to cause job loss for others? And 68% of people globally agreed. So mm. about two-thirds said, yep, I think it's going to cause job loss for others. And then we asked if it would cause job loss for them. And then we, we saw the number drop to 39%. This idea that it's going to happen to other people, not to me, is particularly interesting, right? There, there might be mm. some, you know, some of that, oh, yeah, it's never going to happen to me, that perspective. Um, which I'm too important. Is, it can't happen to me. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But everyone else should watch out. So I always find um, data like that is particularly interesting, right? Um, especially when people say that they don't really understand it or they're afraid of it. But then they're worried about it for other people more than themselves. Um, so I think that story will continue to unfold. Certainly within the company, we talk about technology all the time um, in, in how it can come into the vehicle, how it can make people's lives better, how it can help us make safer choices, how it can help enhance our experience. So it is still a very big part of the way that we are developing and designing. But I also think with this understanding that people are somewhat wary of it, especially if you use a broad term like AI, is making sure that we are being as transparent and, and clear in how we're using it and how it's benefiting them. So, for instance, if, I guess, if, if in the near future, if we do actually have some semi-autonomous or autonomous vehicles, mm-hmm. you would you would want to be careful using artificial intelligence as a term that says how it works. Yeah, honestly, that that's a great um, a great way to look at it. Yeah, you might want to be you might want to look for other terminology because the truth is there's there's AI being used in all kinds of aspects of our life. There's already smarts and in, in lots of products that we use and lots of places that we are interacting. Um, but I think people don't necessarily realize it. You know, every time that ad is just a little too spot on. <laughs> every time your Google search is particularly. Um, attuned when you've only put in one or two letters, yeah, that's because of AI. That's because um, it's taking some of the data that you've already provided it, and it's making some predictions on what you need. Now, you, you've talked about, you know, AI as an example, and I'm I'm trying to think of other mm-hmm. things that that I don't know anything about, um, like mm-hmm. cryptocurrency, for instance. I went by sure. I went by a business the other day that said it was a it was a crypto bar, and basically I I got curious. I'm like, what the hell is a crypto bar? So I yeah, sure. I, I stopped, and it was a it was basically a different version of a shared office space, and it was a place where you would go and you'd set up, and you could either do crypto or you could do web design or whatever the case is but you do it all within this what they call the crypto bar and i'm and i still went away going i don't get it still but um do you yeah. even do you even go like asking those kind of questions like you know uh, i don't know would you you know do do you understand crypto and would you ever use crypto to yeah. go buy a car for instance yes that great question we did so we did not ask it this year but we did ask it last year yeah we did um we did ask about cryptocurrency we've uh, we decided after, usually if we've asked it recently, we don't bother repeating it for another mm-hmm. couple of years. But certainly anything like that, when especially when it's a new technology, we want to know how people are reacting to it. Um, and for the most part, most people said that they don't understand crypto and they don't, and more importantly, they said that they didn't understand all the hype around it, 
which I thought was particularly poignant because it was before the fall of um, FTX. Mm -hmm. So it was before some of the the crypto kind of implosions um, that happened. So uh, I thought, you know, there was some interesting timing on it last year with the way that the the data was was kind of shaping up. Um, But but I love that you pull that out as an example because those are the things that both, you know, myself and my team will look at that might surprise some people from an automotive company, right? Like, why do you care about crypto? Um, but you just, you made a great connection there and saying, oh, well, should we be considering it for purchasing vehicles or something? Is this going to be a new currency? Um, but that is a lot of what we do is kind of paying attention to all the things outside of automotive that might come back and impact our business or the environment that we're operating within that might have some impact on how consumers are um, are acting and how their behaviors and values might be shifting. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose you know, I I guess you have to you can't be a car company and live in a bubble. I remember talking to yeah. one of your designers, Jay Mays, and we were just chatting one day and he said, "Well, I spend time I I walk through Target to see what new colors are popular and you know what new little appliances seem to be good and I take that information back and it works into car design mm-hmm. somehow." And I kind of said, well, you know, I don't do that at Target, but you know, it's good that it's good that you do that, you know, and and and, and the idea that you take a line off of a, um, you know, a, an appliance or something, and go, you know, that line could also serve as a as an arch for a wheel opening or so, you know, what however designers think sure, is yeah. always always amazing. Um, but when you look at all of these things, whether it's you know, you, you pointed out that you know people are willing to take a twenty percent pay cut to live a better personal life does that also go into the car in such a way that maybe that car interior becomes you know and another car company did it years ago you know became your own little sanctuary but it could also be you know okay you're going to take a cut and pay to become a better more relaxed person do it in the car you got it. You got it exactly. So that so we'll look at something like that, and we you know we might share data like that with our HR department and say, hey, let's keep this in mind. People think it's really important. Might it change maybe the benefits packets packages we're offering? Or yes, we would take it to a product team and we would say, hey, let's think about what what's the driver behind this. And we would of course want to try to understand what is it that people want. What does quality of life mean to them? Um, and that you're absolutely right. Does it mean that um, the vehicle can now serve as this? Do they want more relaxation? More more time to escape. Um, and what we saw was people wanted more time to connect with others in person. They wanted more time outdoors. They wanted to um, prioritize the relationships within their lives. So we would take that type of data, yeah, and then we would work with a product development team, and we would do some ideation around what might this mean, how might that manifest in a car. Sanctuary is a perfect example. This is something that we've pushed pretty hard with our Lincoln brand in terms of making that um, this um, this escape pod, if you will, this place that mm. you go for relaxation. Uh, and absolutely this data fits into that. If we understand that people need more breaks, and often it's just a mini break. They just need a little something that a term that we use on the team is joy snacks. You need little joy snacks throughout the day. So how how can you create sometimes those micro moments and understanding that people are busy and they're, you know, bouncing around all over the place? How can the vehicle serve as an opportunity there when we need a little joy snack or an escape, uh, even if it's only for five minutes. Hmm. Yeah, this is, I, this is sort of a fascinating conversation. And, 
And the idea that, you know, I guess when I think originally thought of a futurist at an automobile company, I'm thinking, well, you're designing flying cars or, you know, (laughs) something, you know, and, and, um, or, you know, autonomous vehicles or whatever, but not, but not really looking at all of the aspects that people look at. And Mm -hmm. I guess it really comes back to, you have to be people focused to be able to build good stuff. Absolutely. You're, you're spot on understanding where people are at, what's going to resonate with them, what's important to them outside of the vehicle can give us some clues into how do we set up that vehicle to help meet their needs. And I suppose that's the tricky part because you you might come up with come out yeah you might come up with an idea that you know based on a bunch of factors you throw it together and and uh, engineering and design gets in there they build something beautiful and then the next year people change their mind and they're like but it took us three years to build yeah. it yeah now <laughs> exactly. now it's not going to work yeah. exactly yeah. well and that's part of and so when I talked earlier too about. Um, Futuring and, and looking at different futures and what we would call scenarios, that's one of the, that's another kind of thing that we do. So after we come up with an idea, looking at the trends that we're seeing today, we say, okay, let's stress test it. Let's put this, now that we have a new idea for a car, for example, let's put it in maybe, you know, three or four different future scenarios or environments. And mm. let's stress test it. Let's figure out where are the holes, what are where are the blind spots, what haven't we thought of, or do we have a product that feels like it would be successful in any of those environments? And when we do that, we're really pushing on things that are outside of our control. So, for example, the um, economic condition of the country would be outside of our control, but certainly would have an impact on the way consumers view products and the way that they spend their money. Right, so if times are really mm-hmm. good, we're going to get you know one set of features that might be really possible, or you know that might be well received and, and have more success. Versus, you know, if people feel uncertain about their financial future. So, when we think of things like that, what we'll do is after we have an idea, we will put it into these different futures in hopes that it does give us a more. Um, you know, I, I don't love the term, but sometimes people will call it like a future proof strategy, um, because what we want to do is we want to consider um, how it might be different, how it might look different, and more importantly, how do we change if some of those signals that we see along the way are starting to tell us that our plan is no longer going to be the right one. Mm. Well, and I guess that also means it's okay to make mistakes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So that is so important, right? Because I, what I tell teams is I know that you can't have four different strategies moving forward. We don't have the, you know, the bandwidth or the money to be able to follow four different paths. But what we can do, if we pick one path and then we start paying attention to what I would call like the signposts or the signals along the way that tell us that path is still the the happy path, if you will, for our, for success for this product, if we start laying those out years in advance, it gives us the opportunity to react earlier. So if we say we've planned, for example, if we've planned for, yeah, a positive economic scenario, but when we do that, we say, okay, here's some markers of of things that would tell us we need to reevaluate our plan. You know, it could be a drop in the stock market Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, things like that. But what we can do is set up what we call signposts that make it, that force us to go back and look at that plan and say, okay, you know what, we saw these signposts coming up. We saw this 
dip in the market happen? Um, let's let's reevaluate the plan. So it gives us like checkpoints along the way, and then it, we're inevitably inevitably going to make mistakes if we're trying to plan five or ten years out. Mm. So there's a there's a recognition, or and there needs to be an acceptance that we we need to be able to pivot. We need to be able to adjust as as conditions change. But the great thing is if you've spend some time doing forecasting and futuring, you can likely already have those plans in place and you're ready to implement as soon as you start to see those signals. So you've got a, you know, a leg up on number one, you know what you're looking for, for things that might come back and negatively impact your plan. And then you've already thought through what would plan B be. So you've already got that plan in the back of your pocket on how might we pivot if we need to. And I, I guess like all companies, you probably have a plan 10 years ahead or, you know, mm-hmm. and I remember years back, I read about a, a Japanese electronics company that had a thousand year plan. And I was like, how do you have, how do you have a, how do you have a thousand year plan? And it, but, is, however they have it written out, whatever technology is being saved on will not be readable. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, it's sort of like, uh, I think the, uh, the, uh, and I always have the name wrong, but it's like the museum of sound in, in, in DC. They, uh, they were trying to figure out where to put, you know, the, uh, you know, the, you know, when the astronaut said, you know, one small step for man mm-hmm. and all that stuff, you know, what kind of media do we put that on? And they finally right. decided, they finally decided to put it on essentially records. And somebody said, records, why are you putting it on records? And they said, well, because, you know, cassette tapes are gone, DVDs are gone, you know, flash drives will be gone at some point. But a record, you can play a record with basically a, a, a cone, a pin, and a stick, and you can get sound out of it still. So in a million years, somebody's going to still figure out how to make, get sound out of a record where they're not going to be able to do it with the maybe a flash drive or something. And yeah. I always thought that I always thought that was kind of kind of interesting. And yeah, um, exactly, throwback. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I, so I guess when you look at these things, and someone once told me that there's no better way to be called a false prophet than put an actual date on something. So mm-hmm. when you're when you're looking at trends do you ever do you ever put dates on it do you ever say that in the year 2027 there'll be no red cars because everybody's going to hate red in 2027 so we try to avoid that as much as possible we always say that we don't predict we prepare yep um teams for the future that being said if we are doing scenarios we do tend to put a year on it because otherwise people struggle to wrap their head around it and it helps us to project out like what is three years from now how is that different than five or ten years from now but the truth is what we tell teams is even when there is a year on it where we ask them do not get hung up on that number because some of this stuff will happen sooner some of it will happen later some of it will not happen at all um, so while we, we do put a number on it, we always say it is not a prediction. What we're asking you to do is kind of a bit of a, like a thought exercise, like a strategic planning exercise to go through and think through if this were the world of 2030, for example, how do the plans that you have in place today stand up against that world? Because in auto, right, we're designing um, years in advance, and then we also know our products are going to be on the road for 10-plus years. So we have to be considering a pretty broad range of mm. time when it comes to, you know, the day that we're designing it versus how long it's going to be out in the public. A really, really good point. Um, 
I, and I guess that kind of goes into uh, last last week we heard from uh, Andrew Frick at Ford and talked oh, about how, how yeah how um you know the the F series trucks are you know again just you know killing it when it comes to sales yep. and um you know like you pointed out they, you know somebody's going to keep a truck on the road for a long time and it's going to be it's going to work for them and be able to mm-hmm. be able to do this if people want to get more information about uh, all the trends you mentioned the website mm-hmm. can you mention it again sure it's fordtrends.com okay jennifer and i want to thank you this year's data and you can manipulate it and play with it if you're a data nerd like myself you can look at it for different countries or age groups so, so, if you so, like playing with data, check it out. Check it out. <laughs> All right. Jennifer, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Sunday morning and joining us up here in what is going to be snowy Massachusetts. So, uh, Well, it's my pleasure. You know, we've got some snow here in Detroit right now, too. So we're... We'll, well, we'll all put on our snow gloves and go play. Yeah, there you go. And, and where people probably in probably in the future, people are still going to play in the snow, right? Oh heck yeah, they better be. All right, Jennifer, thanks so much. Thank you. All right, take care. Bye bye. That was that was Jennifer Brace. She is Ford's chief futurist, and we need to take a break and pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program, and if you would like to give us a call, our phone number is seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com join. Talk Radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night, after the 6 o'clock news, here on 95.9 WAPD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. Our phone number is 781-837-4900 if you'd like to talk to us about your car, car problems. Maybe, who knows what you have on your mind. Give us a call at 781-837-4900 like Tom is doing right now. Tom, good morning. Good morning, and so far it still is a good morning. There's no snow on the ground. No? No. (laughs) No, not at all. Um, But that's what my call is kind of going around. Now, on, this, on our small engine thing, snow blowers, this and that. So if you go over to a Lowe's or something like that, I was in there, and they have the canned fuel, right? Yep. And you can get it without any ethanol. Now, is that better to use? It's expensive, but do you think it's going to save on problems? Oh, you know, point pro- I mean, that's the point, <laughs> because ethanol sucks up moisture. That's mm. it's, alcohol just absorb, absorbs moisture. That's that's why um, you know gasoline antifreeze has is alcohol because you if you think you have water in your tank you put in gasoline antifreeze and the isopropyl or methanol I think one of those two uh, sucks mm. up the water that's in the fuel and either mixes the whole batch mixes with the fuel or separates it out either way but that's how it gets the water out of your gas tank. So if you get if you get alcohol free fuel, you'll get fuel with no alcohol in it which tends not to 
pick up moisture, which in theory mm-hmm. should cause less issues with carburetors and fuel lines and things like that. When um, ethanol, uh, I'm going to back up a ways here. You know, way mm-hmm. back, way back when. Um, I'm even going to go way, way back, way, way back, way back in the '60s, I guess. Um, no, not too you know, far for me. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, but if you, but if you had an outboard motor, you tried to find white fuel, which was basically, yes. yeah, which was, you know, what was, yeah, exactly, and that's what you would use. <laughs> that's what you would use in your outboard motor because it, it, um, it didn't have lead in it. I guess, or something. It didn't yes. have something in it. Yeah, it where everything free. had, yes. yeah, 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 where everything had lead in it. And then, right. and then, you know, we went to catalytic converters and unleaded gas. And to make the air cleaner, we added something called methyl tertiary butyl ether, MBTE. Oh. Yeah, which was a great <laughs> product. It raised octane. It made the air cleaner. But if you spilled it on the ground, it would contaminate wells for like 150 miles away from wherever you spilled it. So it sounded like a really good idea unless it got into the groundwater and then it screwed up groundwater forever. So then they went to ethanol. And people put and people said, oh, this ethanol gas is evil. What people didn't really realize was, and you mentioned Getty, Getty gasoline has been using ethanol for forever. They never used MTBE. They only used ethanol. And people that people didn't seem to have a problem because they didn't know any better. And then what happened was in the marine industry, pe- people were using ethanol fuel. And ethanol and fiberglass didn't go real well together. So the other part is, especially things mm-hmm. like uh, especially things like boats, the gas tanks would get dirty and sludgy because no one ever really drains a gas tank in a boat because where do you put the gas? And um, and the ethanol is a good cleaner, better than just straight gasoline, so it would wash some of the sludge away. And people were changing fuel filters after fuel filters because – and they were saying it's this, it's this damn ethanol in the gas. It really wasn't. It was really the crap that was in the gas tank that was getting washed away because of the ethanol. So it really wasn't mm-hmm. the ethanol's problem. Um, what ethanol wasn't good with is old-time fuel lines. Um, ethanol gas would deteriorate the fuel lines. And every fuel line made in the last 10 years doesn't have that issue. But, you know, people that had antique cars would say, I put it in and all the gas lines rotted away. Well, that's because they were old and, yeah, it didn't go well with that. So people would go out and try to find ethanol-free gas so they go to the airport, for instance, and they'd buy mm-hmm. gasoline, they'd buy aviation fuel, which didn't have ethanol in it, or they'd buy aviation fuel that had lead in it, because you can still get leaded aviation fuel. So that's that was sort of the cheat around. So, you know, back to your original question, should you spend $12 a gallon on true fuel that doesn't have ethanol in it? Double that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or whatever, whatever it costs, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I, I I worked with one guy who swore by it, but on the other hand, I just used, you know, in everything I ever owned, every little lawnmower and snowblower, I just used regular old gasoline. And, but I would either put stable in it or, you know, yeah. when it got near the end of the season, just run it out of gas and, um, you know, and put some that's fresh really gas. That's really where my question yeah. is, is it, is, it, is it all right to store with 
that gas and you wouldn't have to put an additive in it? You know, that, well, that fuel, is that... Yeah, no, because no, no, because gasoline can still get stale, uh, for want of a better stale. word. So, yeah, so once it gets Even open, that fuel, that even stuff that, you pay the big even, money for? Yeah. Even that, yeah, because it can still, it, you know, it evaporates still. So, yeah, okay. I mean, because when you put it into your snowblower, it still vents a little bit. So air gets in, air gets out. Mm. You know, there's always going to be a little bit of air in there, and that air is what causes the fuel to break down. So even that true fuel or whatever whatever it is, that's yeah. the one I that's the one I keep seeing. Um, I've become sort of I I don't know if I've become a YouTube addict or not, but um, we all are. There, uh, yeah, yeah. But there's a <laughs> there's um, the the Vice Grip Garage guy. Um, who does these, uh, you know, he finds these cars that have been sitting for 25 years somewhere. And it's 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 actually kind of entertaining. He goes and he finds this, you know, pick something, you know, 1980 LTD mm. that's been sitting there forever. And um, it hasn't moved in 30 years. And he goes and he, and he at least in th- video, and he does most of all the video with his phone, he gets the car going. You know, usually puts some tires on it or something, and then he drives it back home, which could be a hundred, two hundred, or it could be, you know, a thousand miles home. And mm-hmm. um, but he always uses this true fuel stuff, especially on some of these old engines that haven't started in a while. And he gets the fifty to one premix because he's like, well, the extra oil in the mm. premix fuel is good for the engine that hasn't cranked over in a really long time, and that sort of actually makes some sense. So, um, mm-hmm. so I guess, so I guess I always think of. When I think of that stuff, I always think of True Fuel just because I keep watching this guy trying to resurrect yeah. these old cars. But um, hmm. but he's also he's also a pretty talented mechanic, too, at the same time, to get these old things running. And most of the time, he seems to make them home, make it home. Not all the time, though, but most of the time. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So we, we went way back, but we can go back. Let's even go back further. Remember the old pumps used to have, like, the woman's name, Ethel, and all that? on them. Do you remember, like in the 40s, if you've ever seen an old pump, it would it, it would have like ethyl. Yeah, and I, and I think, and, and I, I, I don't know enough, but I want to say ethyl was like the premium, wasn't it? I, that's what I can't remember, but I remember seeing that on old pumps, you know, those names, and I'm like, I didn't know. You know I was too yeah. young to buy gas. <laughs> Uh, well, well, let's see. It says I, I just I just asked the Google machine here, and it says yeah. ethyl leaded gasoline is the confusing brand name choice for tetraethyl lead, uh, which was an anti-knock octane boosting gasoline additive discovered by General Motors in 1921 and introduced mm-hmm. commercially in 1923. So ethyl was sort of premium i guess so okay that's uh, yeah, so, why you would see it yeah, yeah with yeah. that and you buy because that it, brand at the yeah because yeah, yeah, okay. it was yeah because it would boost the octane so you're like uh. so if you had you know if you had the 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 high compression cadillac you would go in and say you know to the guy with the bow tie and the paper hat um you know fill it up with ethyl right yeah so exactly okay yeah. got it well, that was a deep explanation, John. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was. I guess it was. Yeah, I don't know. If you don't have another place, I'll, I can hang up if not. Uh, you know, I, I'm hearing, you know, electric cars, 
they almost thought like I had a neighbor who had one. I didn't know it. But every time I would hear something, it sounded to me, initially I said, oh, boy, she's got a bad alternator. You know, you get that some wine from it, like, for the longest time. And then I've noticed that on several cars. I'd be in a stop and shop, and I'd come out, and i hear this whining. And they were electric cars, or, or is that a hybrid? I don't know, but it's kind of yeah. annoying to me. Well, that's because you can see. That's the the idea behind that noise, and it and it stops at about nineteen miles an hour, is uh. is because it's for people who are visually impaired, so they mm-hmm. can so they can Got hear it. the car coming, because electric okay. cars electric cars are so quiet. That's sort of the sort of the reason behind it is they make that weird sound, that weird spaceship sound, because right. um, because they they don't want to run people over. I guess so. But they all don't do it, though. I don't think all manufacturers, because I've heard other cars and they didn't sound like that. But do they now, or is that yeah, standard? yeah, yeah? That 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 okay. is that is standard now because they uh, they require the the whoever requires stuff, NHTSA or somebody says, oh, now you have to do that. So okay, okay. Hey, all right. Thank you. All right. Are you, all right. Are you shoveling or not? Are you in uh, warmth? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm I'm where it should be warm, but I have to tell you, I've been here for. Eight weeks now, and I have seen uh, the the whoever called it the Sunshine State lie because it is uh, it has been more cloudy and overcast and rainy uh-huh. than I than I it's right now it's I mean I guess it sounds good but right now it is cloudy overcast yeah. and about and about sixty one degrees so wow but on the yeah. on well, the other hand on the other hand I haven't worn socks since I got here so there you go all right all right all right take care bye bye. Our phone number again, 781-837-4900. If you have a question, I'll try to make the answer shorter than that one, maybe. Jesse, was that a little too long? Was that a little too long an answer? No, it was perfect. No, uh, it was we have perfect Robert day. from Tingsboro. All right. Well, let's see if let's let's see if we can do do a shorter answer, maybe. Robert, good morning. Good morning. It's been a while, John. And I know it has. Uh, yeah, well. Well, I Happy New Year. Yeah, I was going to say Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Well, um, well. Yeah, I go to church at 11 on Sunday. Today with 10 or 12 inches of snow, no church, so I say I take no, it. There, 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 there you go. All right. Yeah. Um, I do have a kind of an update on the Maverick. Okay. Uh, mechanically, it's been fine, but I told the dealer when I made the appointment, it's possessed. It's got all these glitches. Like uh, the first one that started was side view mirror element, heating element. It, come okay. on, it comes on when you start the truck up. You know, you can shut yep. it off or yep. wait 10 minutes. Yep. The next thing that started was the uh, delay for the rear camera. You know, I usually go into the settings and have it delayed, you know, 10, 12 seconds, whatever yep. it is. Yep. That shuts itself off on occasion. The real weird thing, when the radio is off, I start the truck up, the radio comes on by itself. I didn't All start right. it. Okay. And it goes from the XM station that I'm on to an AM. And then the final possession, uh, the driver's door will lock without me locking it. The other three don't. So I've got hmm. those four bizarre things. And if you don't have the key in your pocket, the proximity sensor doesn't work, so I have to use the keypad on the B-pillar to you know, yeah. un- unlock that door. You know, the truck's running fine as far as your normal mechanical issues, but all these electronic things that, you know, I've never been a fan of. And 
Yeah, they stuff them too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know, I'm just you know, I don't have every technical service bulletin that you know Ford puts out, but I just looked real quick on Ford Maverick technical service bulletins, and there is you know apparently the sync system which runs everything in that car basically, yeah, you know, has been. You know, it says various sync symptoms, sync screen flickers, echoes, robotic voice, slow lag, bad Bluetooth pairing. I mean, there's like a million little things that seem to pop up with, you know, no remote start, not able to be scheduled, you know, through the app and climate control features missing after an update. So it sounds like there's a whole bunch of stuff that maybe, you know, with with whatever the latest sync update might fix some of this glitchy yeah, stuff. They're, they're going to yeah. have to, you know, maybe repeat. Yeah. yeah, it is sync yeah. 3, this system, not sync 4 like most yeah. of the other models. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and this is specific to uh, sync 3. It says there's, yeah. there's some new update and like I said, I don't get the I don't get the latest ones because I just don't. But this one was from October and it says uh, you know, update for, you know, this uh and and it's kind of funny this update updated one from a, a little bit previous to this and that one apparently had the incorrect procedure listed with it which would cause more stuff to happen so uh so yeah so um yeah, yeah it's, it's I, more of a I, nuisance everything you know yeah everything it, works just it yeah. seems to work when i want it to be on it shuts off and when i want it to shut off it's on so yeah and that's <laughs> and that you know one of one of the things is like unresponsive touchscreen for instance yeah. or you know in inoperative uh infotainment applications that would be when you're you know it it switches from xm to yeah, am or AM, something yeah. yeah so it's you know in you know, unfortunately, when you cram all kinds of technology into a vehicle, sometimes, you know, it's it's like you know, I I turned on, you know, I I, you know, started at about eight this morning. I turned my computer on to write newspaper columns, and all of a sudden, my computer started just flashing for no reason. And it's like, what the heck? And I'm hoping that you know, it didn't lose what I was working on at the same right. time. And I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? And you know, and the I've and the fix is, unfortunately, shut it off, turn it back on, and magically fixes itself. And kind of the same thing with your truck, I guess. Is, yeah. You know, sometimes you just shut it off, you restart it, and everything seems fine for, you know, a week or more. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, why doesn't XM work when, you know, when when I have my phone connected or something, why doesn't XM work the way it's supposed to? And what does one have to do with the other? Well, it all runs through, it all runs through the uh the 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 computer bus that connects everything together and I guess signals get goofy I don't know yeah typical electronics they say I I you know back yeah. to the old days well I mean I, I you know I don't know that how many people you know still want to wind down a window by hand anymore oh no I, I'm, yeah. I'm good with the power windows yeah. those yeah. work yeah. pretty reliably yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but but you're right and and as much as I like for instance um you know, the premium Hyundai line Genesis, um, you know, some of their electronics are pretty glitchy in, in their yeah. new vehicles. And, and um, you know, they, they seem to update them quite a bit. So I don't know. Well, it's been good talking to you, John. All right. Um, I'm All not right. sure when the next time will be, but well, we'll, we'll better. Well, well take, it, take it easy with 12 inches of snow out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got most of it picked up. It's 
still a few more inches to go, but yeah. Is it is it is it light and fluffy or heavy and yeah, wet? Yeah, most of it is here. It started out a little wet, maybe an inch, yep. inch and a half was wet, but the rest is pretty powdery in this area. But well, that's know, good. But uh, we did lose power for a while, and it's back. So. Well, not a good day to lose power. So no. all right, okay, John. all right, take Thanks care of yourself. All right, bye bye. Why don't we take another break, pay some bills, if you would like to join us, 781-837-4900. When we come back, I got a bunch of questions in this week, and some of them are pretty interesting. And one, I, I want also, before we take the break, I want to comment, um, when the news was on, um, somebody said, uh, you know, up in Upper State New York, four-wheel drive is needed because it's so slippery. Four-wheel drive doesn't help. I mean, it does. It four wheel drive definitely helps. It helps gets a, you moving. It's a snow. little bit to get up my driveway, but yeah, it's uh, kind of weird driving in four wheel drive in my truck. In the yeah, I mean, in. yeah, and you know, people forget that four wheel drive. When it's in four wheel drive, you don't stop any different, and that's the slippery part. You know, the the get moving is one thing, but it's like if you're going thirty five miles an hour and you got to jump on the brakes, four wheel drive, front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, they all stop the same. You're not going to stop any different. Good good tires are important more than four-wheel drive, but that's just me. Why don't we take that break? My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. All right. When we come back, we have Tracy from Plymouth and then another John. John accidentally hung up on you. So if you oh. call us back, John, nothing personal. I just have fat fingers and I press lots of buttons. All right. All right, Tracy, stay right there. We'll We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Since 1986, One Stop Painting has been true to its name. The one stop you need to make for all your interior and exterior painting needs. That's 1986, 38 years. Some of our customers today weren't even born when we were painting their moms and dads' homes. And painting isn't all we do. Sure, we can freshen up your house and add some new colors and washable finishes to the walls, but we can also do carpentry, such as adding crown molding or wainscoting, wall and plaster repairs, fixed water and smoke damage. We can even help with insurance claims. For nearly four decades, we've taken on all projects, large and small, commercial and residential, and given you the same one-stop attention to detail, no matter the size or price of the job. We are a family-run company responsible for over 30 employees. Your business helps us take care of their families while our employees take care of yours. Help keep them busy throughout the winter by taking advantage of some of our big seasonal discounts. Call us at 508-888-3500 or check us out online at onestoppainting.com. Hi, this is Jeff Neely. And this is Joe Clapp. And I'm Stephen Davis. We're Humble Roots. Tune into Twilight Showcase Radio. Hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James. On 95.9 WATD and 95.9 WATD.com. And of course, visit twilightshowcase.org. Twilight Showcase, tonight from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program on 95.9 WATD. Let's go over to Tracy in Plymouth. Tracy, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. 
Yes, good. I have a question about my two, 2014 Nissan Juke Nismo. Okay. Um, when I take when I turn a corner or make a turn, it makes uh, scraping and squeaking noises, Ooh. and I don't know what I should do. It's the from the front of the car that I'm hearing this. Um. Hmm. And is it does it change at all with um like temperature or anything like that? Nope. Nope. Stays the same. It Stays started the same. about two or three weeks ago. Yeah. And I noticed it might have been longer than that. Yeah, I mean, I I suspect that there's either there's there's either an issue with a beginning of a brake problem. How many miles are on this? It's it's almost um, ten, it's almost ten years old now, right? Yeah, it's yeah. under a hundred thousand. Yeah, um, um, I was thinking brakes myself. Um, yeah. I know I, that I've had problems in previous vehicles with brakes, but I never had that kind of sound. Yeah, I mean, the other possibility is there's a wheel bearing that's starting to fail. And um, when you turn, it could it puts pressure on the bearing, and the bearing's the part that allows the wheel to spin nice and free. And when you if, if that bearing's starting to fail, it can cause um, a noise. It can cause a squeak. It can cause cause a crunching sound. It can it can do a bunch of different things. So that's it. So I guess it you know the best thing to do at this point is to you know, go someplace where you can have somebody take it for a road test and see what, you know, see what's really, really going on. But also, as importantly, is um, to make sure it's not dangerous too. Because, um, you know, if it is, if it is a bad wheel bearing or bad brakes for that matter, and brakes can wear unevenly, so you might be starting to hear the beginning of. Um, the brakes starting to wear out, and a quick look at brakes might go, oh, they look okay, but you find out that the there's there's an inside and outside brake pad. Maybe the inside brake pad's starting to wear really quick um, because something's starting to stick a little bit. So it can be a combination of things, but right now I'd want you to get it into a mechanic where they can take it for a ride, and ideally if they could take it for a ride with you so you can say, no, this is the noise I'm hearing. Hear it now? So they know exactly what you're talking about. That would be the best thing. That's perfect. That is perfect, perfect advice. John, thank you so much for answering my questions, and have a wonderful day and a wonderful new year. Happy New Year to you, too. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's let's go over to uh, John in Norwood. John, good morning. Morning, John. How are you? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Hey, I um, started hearing a noise from the serpentine belt of my um, 99 Maxima about a year ago. And so I took a guess, and I just replaced that idler pulley and bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't seem to fix the noise. It was just kind of a you know an occasional groan, you know, kind of a mm-hmm. sounded like you know I don't know maybe a bearing going or something. So a year later, um, the noise is getting worse. It seems like, and so I take it to my mechanic. He replaces the idle pulley, idler mm-hmm. pulley. I still hear the noise, and I think this, the replacement that I had done, um, when he showed it to me, he thought it was, you know, pretty um, banged up. So he mm-hmm. thought maybe water got in there or something, but is there some other thing that could be going wrong that could 
then cause these idler pulleys to fail? Not really, because the idler pulley's job is, you know, back when there wasn't such thing as idler pulleys, you would, you know, if you over-tighten the belt, for instance, you put a big bar on the alternator and yanked up the alternator real tight so the belt was really tight, it would stress out all the bearings. That's why there was, that's why there was actually, no, not that anyone ever did it, but there was a measurement on how much the belt should move, and that would tell you if it was too tight or not tight enough. Um, the idler pulley's job is just to sit there and kind of, do that and it you know most of most everything with an idler pulley has some sort of self-tensioner at the same time so it would be unusual that um there would be something else that's causing it what could cause it though and um maybe just try to make sure everything looks like it's running straight and true in other words there's no pulleys that are out of alignment with other pulleys and it really doesn't take much more than say an eighth of an inch if you put a straight edge against all the pulleys and you look and you go you know what you know back eight years ago i had the alternator replaced and when they replaced it the the pulley's just a little bit different shape than the original or the armature's a little bit bigger and longer and that pu- and that pulley's just sticking out an eighth of an inch more than the other pulleys. Those are the kind of things that can wear out bearings on things like idler pulleys. So maybe the only thing that's ever been replaced in that whole area is the idler pulley that I, that pulley. I put in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the other oh. part of it, you know, could it be you know, like you said, could it be an alternator that's starting to you know, an alternator bearing that's starting to get crunchy. You know, that's old. You know, could it be that? Could be. The problem is being able to hear it and right. figure it out at the same time is sometimes impossible. This uh, may be this I... this may be one of these things that you just have to let it get worse to figure out how to get it better. That's what I thought I was doing. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. the minute I. Who went in? I was like, "Well, that didn't fix it. I think I just replaced a perfectly good part, which I probably did." Um, but then when the second one went, it was like, yeah. "Okay, so yeah. I'll go to yeah. a mechanic." Yeah. And the problem is, he replaced the same thing, and now I'm yeah. yep. basically still hearing a noise that I haven't heard for twenty years. Now I hear it all the time. Maybe it's just my ears. I don't know. Well, I mean, it could be you're more in tune with it too, which could be part of the issue as well. So. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, this is one of these cases, time might be the best diagnostic tool, you know, let it, let it just get a little bit more consistent and you'll probably be able to find it. Okay. Worst case, really gets loud that it would snap a belt or something. Um, it would have to get really, really, really loud for that. Okay. So for the, yeah. Obnoxious loud. I'm probably good. I think I think okay, if it's okay. just like yeah. Other than that, keep an eye on you know. And it's the other the other possibility is there's something behind the timing cover that could be making some noise, but um, but you're not going to know that until you're able to figure out where it's coming from. So, yep. okay, all right, all right, all right. take care. Bye bye. Let's see if we can go real quick to Rusty from Arizona. Rusty. Hey, John Paul, happy new year. I'm usually the guy from Woodman that calls. I'm out here on the Bruins season ticket holder trip. I got a quick question for you. You know sure. what? I, I bought that 2222 Toyota Corolla. Got a problem now. The paint's falling off my car. I don't know what to do right now. It, it, and the, I just hit the 36,000 mile mark. I bought it with 32,000 miles. Yep. I called Toyota on Tuesday. They gave me a case number. I don't think anything's going to get done with it. Um, is it is it like literally delaminating, coming right off the body? Yeah, yes. Yeah. on the path. I put some touch up paint on it. It looks awful. The roof. I just saw the roof the other day. Uh, the the hood it, it's it's a known problem with the white paint Toyotas 
from this past, but I don't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I all you can do at this point is let Toyota be aware of it, and and what they'll probably do is, and I've seen them do it before, is they'll they'll run it through their body shop and they'll 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 scuff it down, they'll bring it down to the primer or repaint it again. It just because I, I put the touch up paint on it, it doesn't look too hot, but it just it, like a sizable chunk came out New Year's Eve, and I just had to do something because it was gonna yeah. like with the rain and everything, and you know I just did temporary precautions, but then I, after I inspected it, it looks awful. Yeah, I I would um you know I would take take a bunch of pictures to go along with you know and if they ask you know for a case number I would go into I would you know I would go into the Toyota number. dealer yeah I would go into the Toyota dealer and let them know you have a case number and mm-hmm. and just you know Thank the you. dealer the dealer is going to want to kind of put it <laughs> off but I would try to mm-hmm. work I would try to work directly with Toyota. The one thing I will let you know and I don't know this is Toyota specifically, but in a lot of these car companies, the people that answer the phone at customer service are third party contract employees. And basically they're just reading from a script all the time. So they give don't, me a case don't, number, so I'll just yeah, have to wait there. Yeah. Yeah, but don't don't accept the first answer. Is what no, I'm I never do. Say. Listen, I yeah. never know. I never do. This is serious yeah. because I just bought this thing and it just it looks awful now. Yeah. No, I would. I would just. Uh, you know, I would just keep pushing it the best you can. And if you have to, um, you know, Toyota still has third party arbitration. So I would. You know, just if I wouldn't threaten it yet, but I would. I would be. You know, that's one of the things. And, and you know, uh, you know, could this have been repaired somewhere along the line you know at the factory or after it was shipped and is that causing part of the problem probably probably not it's probably just the probably just the pain itself but um but again don't like you said don't take no don't take the first answer keep keep pushing it and you'll probably get what you want okay thank you sir all right take care thank you all right all right happy new year Well, that music means we need to go. It's about 12 o'clock. Thank you for listening. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt. Drive safely. Be good to your car. And if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. Save lives. Bye-bye.